are listening to John Gerica on SFM. Sure, John. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, great to be able to sort of share part of the, the journey and hopefully it'll give your um, listeners some some insights into into the journey that is um, yeah, a long and up and down one for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I was, born in, I was born in the UK. My folks had gone after varsity uh, over there. My dad had played at Hansa Hockey Club um, and had had exposure to a whole lot of uh, top international play- players that were playing there at the time. Um, and then after I was born, we came back to uh, back to South Africa. Um, my dad actually brought um, indoor hockey back into the country um, and started it. Uh, and it was great to actually to, to have him at the 2023 World Cup earlier this year where our men and women did so incredibly well, um, finishing uh, fourth and uh, sixth respectively. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I guess it was uh, it was it was playing sports, all sports really, cricket, hockey, soccer, rugby, tennis, swimming, um, as youngsters do. Um, and then it was only really sort of at uh, Marisburg College uh, where where then they started to get a little bit more focused around around sort of hockey and and cricket and sort of peak performance. Um, and then from there, it was lucky enough to be involved in various uh, junior national teams, um, under 21 national team, um, and then and then eventually into the into the national team itself. Were you in the hockey team during those difficult times, qualifying for the Olympic Games, and then not qualifying for the Olympic Games, or, or not being allowed to go? Yes, absolutely. Um, in my case, uh, I I'd made the um, the SA men squad actually in 1994 right. when I was 18, sure. um, but missed out on, on, on the first um, World Cup, which was held in Sydney. Uh, then in 96 era under Gavin Featherston, um, I was in the squad but didn't make the final cut. Uh, nine, and then 2000, we had qualified um, through Africa and unfortunately, um, Noxa and under Ram Sammy's guidance mm. decided to withdraw our team. Um, which was a bit controversial at the time, um, and then and then finally, uh, and probably the, mo- the most interesting part of the 2004 um, qualification was that we didn't actually qualify through Africa. So we were two one up against Egypt in Abuja, Nigeria, which is where the All Africa Games was being held, and um, we were we had about a minute 40 on the clock, and uh, Mike Cullen actually had the ball down in the bottom right hand corner. Um, there was a bit of a, a, a turnover. Um, we would say a mistake from the umpire in terms of uh, you know Egypt trying to win the ball back. They smashed it upfield, got a lucky touch, um, and yeah, they scored mm. with literally 30 seconds left on the clock. Went yeah. to extra time, and we lost in extra time. But ironically, and the reasoning that um, uh, Mr. Ramsamy had given at the time in 2000 um, about us not competing was that he said that. Um, our team, it was too easy to qualify through Africa <laughs> and, uh, and, and that we didn't qualify on the basis of development because our team was not transformed enough at wow. that time. Yeah. Um, and he said that we weren't good enough because qualifying through yeah. Africa was too easy, right? So it was a little bit of a political island. Um, uh, it was a well-thought-out argument. And, uh, uh, but I think, uh, I think the lesson in that was really more around, well, for me anyway, personally, is... Um, I, I wanted to be part of that 2000 games. I ended up going to Australia um, when we heard that we weren't going to go mm-hmm. eventually. Um, I played some club hockey in Perth with all the other Australian Olympians. 
Um, I went over to, to Sydney. Um, I was going to stay with a friend and watch all the hockey uh, with the money I'd saved from, uh, from working in a school right. uh, in Perth. Um, he ended up phoning me and saying, listen, um, some work commitments have come up. I'm actually a volunteer at the Games um, oh, wow. doing hockey broadcast statistics. Can you substitute for me? Which I obviously jumped at the opportunity. So I spent uh, the whole Olympic Games basically doing hockey broadcast statistics, and I sat on the gold medal match sure. on the FIH table. So, and you yeah, didn't, I guess you, you didn't you have to make, you didn't have yeah. to sweat and get a ball in your face at any point. Which is <laughs> no, we didn't have to do that. <laughs> I, a, um, that I, I yeah. remember that 2000 so well. I can't believe it's 23 years ago. Is does that still burn a little bit? You wake up at two o'clock in the morning and go, "Damn it, that was." Uh, despite the positive you got out of it, as you as you said. We def we definitely uh, yeah know that we're aging. Um, luckily, in the, in in a sport like hockey, I'm still very active in the in the South African Masters hockey mm. uh, context, and we've got uh, Masters World Cups um, that we've hosted here in South Africa last year for the 45s, 50s, and 55s, and this next year is going to be in New Zealand for the older group, and the younger group is actually going to be in Cape Town as well. So super that one can keep playing, but certainly yeah, not. And when you play league hockey um, week in week out, uh, it's getting harder and harder to chase <laughs> off these uh, these youngsters, you know. <laughs> right. And and do you still do you still have bad memories about that 2000? Does it still hurt? It it always hurts in the context of you know the I think what people don't realize is how much as an athlete you have to put on the line in order to try and in order to have the opportunity to try and mm. uh, to succeed and go right. Um, I think uh, I think, especially also in the in the sort of the the, the non-professional sports um, like hockey, you know, at that stage it was it was juggling a full t- a full-time engineering degree at UCT. Um, it was traveling and playing with the with the South African team um, at the various uh, uh, you know qualification tournaments at the various. Um, uh, training and training camps and uh, inbound and outbound series mm-hmm. that that uh, that we had at that time. Um, Giles Bonnet, who's actually currently doing his second stint with the with the ladies team, he'd organised um, a sponsorship um, package for the South African men's team at that stage. So yeah, we were fully prepared. We'd had a hundred test matches worth mm-hmm. of preparation. I think it would be arguably probably the best South African team that has been assembled. Um, or had ever been assembled at that stage, uh, with the likes of Greg Nickel and Brian Myberg. Um, yeah, uh, it was a it was a super, the Fultons. I mean, it was a it was a superpower mm. team. Have things changed in the thirty years that you've been playing hockey? In terms of uh, in terms of development of the game, um, absolutely. I mean, the game Excellent. has changed significantly. Yeah. Uh, I think in my day, it was uh, myself and a few a few others sort of pioneered the you know the route over to the UK. Um, and Germany to go and uh, find club contracts. Uh, we've subsequently been able to also, you know, use those connections to 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 place some of our current national players. Um, absolutely, now I think there's no way that you can really reconcile from South Africa, uh, trying to trying to to sort of support yourself um, being based in South Africa. So, right. like in my case, I I went every every six months during my uh, summer holidays. Um, and then subsequent to, to, to qualifying as a structural engineer, uh, went and I'd work in the UK, um, get hosted by a club, they'd pay my air ticket over, maybe you got a car depending on you, you know your situation, did a bit of coaching, um, and you'd play there, you'd earn your pounds, pay back your student loan, uh, get, on your, get on the plane back for the 
ITT or for you know the camp or whatever the case may be. I think it's the same story now. Mm-hmm. Only um, at 25 rand to the pound or, yeah. or 22 rand to the euro, um, you know the the prospect of of uh, of being based like in South Africa mm-hmm. um, as a hockey player trying to play internationally is almost impossible. Uh, yeah, I know the the ladies have all done their thing. They're going overseas playing Australia or in Holland or something, and the men doing the same thing. That's that's just the way it is. And or, or and are there local hockey players that can survive? And become part of the national team if they're based locally. Uh, certainly, I, so I think I think there's always a there's always a pretty big split um, uh, between um, students and and then guys that guys and girls that have had a taste of mm. international competition, whether it be at a Commonwealth Games um, or an Olympics, um, if they've been involved in that process previously, uh, which which drives one to carry on and and to want more. And I think. I think that's really. I mean, I saw an article, um, you know, earlier this week. Um, I think it, uh, that was uh, referring to our new minister of sport, uh, Zizi Kodwa, um, who was just sort of, you know, saying that, you know, only athletes that have a chance of, and I'm probably quoting this out of context here, but you know, that only athletes that have a have a, a, a realistic chance of winning medals mm-hmm. must be allowed to compete. You know, yeah. um, and it's just it's just a crazy it's a crazy construct because how do we create um, heroes in in South Africa and in South African sport. If we don't give our athletes the the opportunity to test themselves on the world stage, to have those experiences, which that not only help them become better people um, and and better athletes, but also that 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 narrative and that um, and that um, prestige and mm. uh, and that opportunity filters down back into into your into your society you know yeah, i'm just thinking of so, portugal at the rugby world cup you know they haven't won a game they win one game they come back as national heroes and then suddenly you're finding young boys and girls wanting to play rugby which helps the sport well i think actually i read a very interesting um article from a you know, a, a black friend of mine from the university um who had posted posted about the likes of Rati mm. um and his sort of strategy um i call it conscious leadership but you know where where Rati was very intentional about uh, um, you know finding talent in previously disadvantaged areas. Why? Because he realised that you know it's the flywheel effect. If you if you can if you can create momentum, if you can if you can if you can take talent, identify talent, put it into a system that can develop that talent. Because without actually having the development piece, you're not going to you're not going to change the the narrative, and you're not going to change the. The, the sort of the culture of sport, and ultimately that's what mm. sport is, right? I mean, the Americans play gridiron, and they've got a world championship of baseball, and <laughs> you know MLB and all of that. But sport is intrinsically cultural, and so there's always a disconnect for me in the political context of uh, you know what what politicians say, you know the transformation agenda, but what is actually being prepared to be done on the ground at right. grassroots, right? And those two things often uh, are not are, are, are disconnected. So, so yeah, I, I, I love what I love what Saru and 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 Rati has done in creating you know this momentum, um, and to the point where 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 we have the best players in South Africa mm. representative fully of our Rainbow Nation, and uh, and where every kid that's out in the street, um, my kids included, are running around the back garden, <laughs> you know, kicking a rugby ball and pretending to be uh, Mapimpi yeah. or. You know, or Lakanya Am or Sia or whoever, you know. Um, yeah, the big even. kids. The like, big, it doesn't matter. The big kids are all oxen chair. 
Yeah, very nice. <laughs> uh, Steve Evans, let's talk about, okay, so you got to the Olympic Games, you you, you finally yeah. got that done and you competed and well done to all of that. But then, you know, as, as you said, you started getting a little older, you decided to retire and then life sort of kicked you a little bit. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I think maybe it's also that sort of um, that Olympian mindset, but uh, of course, it's all about the, the pursuit of excellence. Mm. And so, and so, post post um, hockey career, uh, my wife and I came back to. We did a season um, overseas in, in the UK, um, and then came back uh, to South Africa to to essentially settle down, start a family, uh, and and move move forward with life. Um, and uh, so, I did a lot of uh, a lot of consulting um, in a in a startup business management consulting startup, uh, mostly in the Middle East and India, mm-hmm. um, and and found myself. You know, in these high stress pressure environments, you know, trying to also, um, as you know, startups are, are always uh, with their ups and downs and, and, and high stress sort of situations, um, ended up with uh, with testicular cancer. And mm. obviously, this is Cancer Awareness Month. And, and tomorrow I'll be donning my, uh, my purple speedo <laughs> for, the, for the Daredevil Run in my neighborhood. So, anyone in Cape Town in Claremont area sees a yeah, a thin, skinny white man running around in a purple, purple speedo. speedo. That'll be yep. me. So, shoot your horn, or uh, you know, stop and uh, scan the QR code so you can del- donate to uh, to to testicular and prostate awareness cancer cancer awareness. It, it, it's interesting you talk about a high pressure environment doing what you were doing in the consulting. Uh, I can't think of much more high pressure than being an Olympian. So, how does how does working Monday to Friday doing a job compared to doing a sports job compare? Yeah, so I, look, I think I think as a as an athlete, um, a hockey athlete anyway, mm. um, what what one realizes is that um, you know you have to put in the time, and you have to try and find that balance between you know in the in the hockey context was always like doubling up on work, studies, or whatever, or social, right? It's those sort of three uh, sports. Uh, work or, or or university and and social and it's kind of trying to balance those three uh, con- competing um, uh, interests. Um, in the work context, it's obviously I think it's easy also just to fall into the trap of of just focusing only on work, you know, to the point of neglecting social or neglecting um, you know health or or, or or being active. So so, but it's always the sort of trying to balance these 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 sort of competing interests. Um, you know, in the pursuit of, of, of your dream. Did you overcome the cancer? Or is one is never really yes, over cancer, yes, is it? Yeah, very much so. So I, I think also the big message to, to, to all the listeners out there is um, I suppose perhaps from from all the, uh, you know, training and so on, um, very body aware. Yeah. Um, my wife and I also talk a lot about um, about, and she's she's medical, so um, so we so there's a lot of awareness around like screening. So in the same way as women um, do do their breast uh, screening, um, you know, every week or every day, depending on 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 their ages and so on. Um, the same thing is true of uh, of men, and men should be should be screening themselves, um, checking for lumps. In this particular case, I found a lump that wasn't uh, wasn't there previously. Uh, went to the doctor to get it checked out. They did an ultrasound. It was a. It was um, not a cyst, as could have been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said we'll be operating immediately. You know. Um, so luckily, in my case, I got it before it had kind of gotten into my lymph, lymph system. Um, 
but uh, you know, for those that remember Lance Armstrong, yeah. like the second time that he got cancer, it was like already stage three, and it was like lungs and then brain, right? Um, so, so yeah, cancer obviously evolves very quickly, but the, and that's the reason why for all these awareness campaigns is the more aware you are um, of your of your own body, like the earlier you can catch these mm. diseases, and you know, um, the, the sort of the higher your chances of survival. I think Lars Armstrong's story has changed a little bit since that initial one, but he yeah. says it was just it was just because you know, he, he he's got the saddles all the time, and he just thought that, that was natural. It was just something that that yeah. you know, because he was riding so much. Obviously, the drugs didn't help, but uh, test yourself. <laughs> go to a doctor, have them look at it. It's not going to hurt very much, or it doesn't hurt at all, and get the tests. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about what you're doing now. You're still in with hockey. You decided uh, you can't leave that sport alone. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I I spent quite a lot of time coaching, and um, I think there was a there was it was 2014. Um, Pierre Leroux at the time, he's been the, our South African indoor national coach, and he, we were at Varsity together, and he coached the he was the incumbent Western Province coach at the time. But it was the start of the new 20 of the Rio 2016 cycle. Mm-hmm. So all the international players, Austin Smith and uh, Tim Drummond, and uh, uh, Nick Spooner and them all came back from from overseas. So uh, so we had and we and we'd also had a couple of S under 21 players that had, that were then had played with the S under 21 franchise in 2013. Um, that uh, that that now basically were in the mix for for the Western Province team. But because it was such a powerhouse team um, with the likes of Rhett Halkett and uh, Lloyd Norris Jones and 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 all of them. Um, there were there were four guys that had won gold medals from the previous year, plus three S under 21 players that didn't basically make the uh, make the Western Province side. So Pierre phoned me and said, "Listen, can you coach? Um, can you coach the team?" And uh, so I, so I was still playing first grade at that stage, at the age of 38. <laughs> and uh, and then um, we ended up uh, going to tournaments. Uh, used the used Malcolm uh, Gladwell sort of underdog uh, theme. Um, as a as a sort of a narrative, um, and and was pretty much able to uh, to put in place some some and test a few um, strategies that that I thought would be very applicable both to the to the B side mm-hmm. um, as well as um, to you know that could be used ultimately in our South African context because we find ourselves always you know punching above our weight mm. and trying to compete against the, you know these best teams in the world. And uh, we ended up actually winning IPT. So um, I, I don't. Well, it certainly hasn't ever been done in hockey before. I don't know what it, if it would be equivalent to, uh, with no disrespect to the Griquas, but like Griquas were winning the Curry Cup. <laughs> right. Um, uh, I, I don't know if Griquas have won the Curry Cup. They, they have, but so, a long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, but a very long time ago. Yeah. But anyway, but it was it was one of those um, you know those those sort of really unique yes. and 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 amazing defining experiences and. And actually, two of our nas- current national players, um, uh, Keenan Horn, who's captain South Africa, and Ryan Julius, who's, and both of them have been around now probably in excess of 150 caps. They were both part of that Pens tournament-winning team. And again, mm. I think it's those kind of anchoring experiences that bring an element right. of belief. And a lot of it was, for me, like our frustrations from, from our experiences in, in, in Athens, where we were so close but so far, we finished uh, 10th. Um, losing on 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 penalties to to Great Britain in the end, but we should have gotten into the top eight in the world. Yeah. Um, we we had narrow narrow loss um, uh, to India 4-2, uh, 
to the to to Australia three two to Holland three two having led two 0 at half time. Um, everyone was patting us on the back, and then the one game that we needed to win against New Zealand, uh, we ended up getting uh, losing four one right, and on on a day when when uh, we had everything to play for, but we'd been in the village for twenty days. Sure. It was easy to uh, you know to look at excuses like it was thirty eight degrees at half eight in the morning. We'd gotten up at four to to uh, get on you know to eat and get on the bus. Uh, to to the game, um, but actually, if we just reframe that that game and 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 the stakes, like you know, New Zealand were the same ranking as us mm. um, going into that game, and uh, or if not, you know, one place ahead of us, and uh, and it was all to play for. But half the team rocked up, and the other half didn't. Sure. Uh, we we need to wrap it up, uh, Steve Evans. So quickly, no uh, you're in charge of Super Fives hockey. Uh, there's there's a host of hockey happening locally and internationally, but we aren't playing in the international tournament. What did South African government say? It was just a lack of money. Always say hockey said it. Are we on an upward curve in hockey, South African hockey in particular? Um, I I think we we are certainly in terms of our of our national teams' performance, um, in terms of like the growth of the game at grassroots level. And when I say grassroots, I mean at school at school right. traditional school level. Um, not that there has been a lot of transformation at grassroots, at true grassroots level, if that makes any sense. Um, I think that we, I think we have a, I think we have a, um, a challenge, um, which is fairly pervasive and hasn't really, you know, the narrative hasn't changed in mm. in, in 30 years in terms of um, our administrative efforts. Um, we definitely need to 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 be packaging um, the demographic of our sport. Um, the the sports uh, base. My view is that I, I work in technology and I understand the value of uh, of, uh, of of using you know digital tools to 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 assist. And there are some some um, initiatives that have been put in place uh, this year and that hopefully we can build on. Um, but ultimately, like you know, sponsors want to get involved with the with with properties and um, that will that will extend their reach into the demographic that they're looking and the audience they're looking to serve. Um, so at the moment, and sadly, I think after, especially after the um, the Nations Cup um, success of the of the men's team in particular, um, and South African hockey, you know, communicating that the team would be joining the Pro League, yeah. um, which was which would which, which then. Um, which then, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, didn't pan out. Um, I think the I think the subsequent, you know, social media spat that 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 went on, um, basically tarnishes, you know, your game. And mm. you know, I've had a lot of deep conversations with uh, with many of the players around that, where you know, you've got to keep your house in order, and uh, and you can't, you know, you can't go to, to 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 social media because you know, once once it's out there, it's out there. You can't take it back. Um, and there's a responsibility, you know, for those players and for our administrators to to be working together to find mm. solutions, not to be fighting against each other, as is often the case. All right, Steve, unfortunately, we need to leave it there. I'm sure we could chat a lot about your post-hockey careers, but uh, that's <laughs> all we have time. So thanks very much for joining us.